your trusted source for local breaking news and what to make of it all. It's Tracy Mack on Newcastle in the Morning. Now, I must admit, when this story came across my desk yesterday, I was quite stunned because... uh, Back in 1985, you may recall that uh, USA for Africa and Live Aid were both held, and that was 1985. It raised $63 million to fight famine in Africa, and in 2022, we are back there again. There's 50 million people in 45 countries on the brink of starvation, and in the Horn of Africa, more than 22 million people don't have enough food to eat right now. That is just horrifying that in 2022, we are back here again. As we know, COP27 is happening at the moment. The United Nations Climate Change Conference is being held in Egypt. And uh, we have our very own local member, Pat Conroy, is over there at the moment as part of COP27. But why does that matter? Why is it important? And what needs to happen whilst uh, they're all over there? Joining me on the line now is the CEO of Plan International Australia. It is Suzanne Legina. Good morning and thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. It really is quite horrendous. I can't believe. I can remember 1985. I can remember We Are The World. I can remember Live Aid. We're back here again, Suzanne. How is that possible? Yeah, I know, and I was there too in 1985, you know, I, I was wearing my T-shirt and raising money as well. The thing that's different about this is, if you do if you do remember 1985, that, that um, drought that was occurred, occurring then and that was resulting in famine was after two dry seasons. What we're seeing now in the Horn of Africa is after four dry seasons Mm. and we're about to head into the fifth dry season and that my friend is climate change in a nutshell that is absolutely as a result of global warming we are seeing absolute changes in weather patterns that are resulting in more extreme weather events that are lasting for longer and that have not been seen in our lifetimes and that is resulting in massive massive um, famine crisis now in Africa Plus, you've had COVID before Mm -hmm. that, and then you've had conflicts. The Ukraine crisis wasn't something that we could have anticipated, um, but the war in Ukraine was already having a major impact. And because Somalia relies, for example, so heavily on Russian Ukrainian for products, particularly wheat, but also barley and also um, fertiliser, food prices were already high due to the drought and the pandemic, but... They just climbed further as production and exports were hampered. So you've got this sort of perfect storm of what we keep calling the three Cs, which were conflict, climate change and COVID that has created this particular storm that we're seeing now in the Horn of Africa. It is quite terrifying. It, you know, it really is. This this is the human side of uh, global warming. We've been warning about it. You know, we've been warned about it so many times. It, it's just ridiculous now. What can we, as uh, as Australian citizens, what can we do? I mean, it, it's Africa. What can we do to help? Well, we are kind of calling on the Australian government to do more as a global citizen. I mean, this the, the, the sort of scale of this issue is going to require action from everyone across the world. So we're um, asking for an immediate release of $150 million just for emergency food aid and support to save those 50 million people who are on the verge of starvation. And I do remind people, because I work for a child rights organisation, that in 2011, when um, there was also a, um, a, a, a 
famine declaration in Somalia, you know, 300,000 people died and mm. half of those were children under the age of five. Children cannot withstand long periods of time without food. And if they do, it has long-term effects on their whole life. They never reach their full height potential, their full intellectual and cognitive development. We know how important food is. That's why we run mm. breakfast programs at schools. And this is happening across that continent. So we're saying the Australian government could release money and, and, and everyone in the world. And look, the US has released massive loads of money, but we need more of that. We're, so, we're asking Australians to put pressure on their local politicians to do more. If you have the means, then I would encourage you to support organisations like ours, but many others who are supporting the immediate response in places like the Horn of Africa, because we're saying by Christmas time, um, things will be very, very dire. And by the time famine's declared, that, my friend, is really too late. Yeah. It's already too late. We have, like, one window, which is this month, to take more action, more urgent action. And then the thing, the other thing we would say is we have to take these COP27 conversations about climate change seriously. We have to set a pathway for the planet to keep global warming temperatures below a certain amount, or we are going to see this kind of occurrence happening, not just in Africa, but around the world in a sort of ongoing way. And we don't, we can't even imagine what that, um, will require of us. We can, we've had it in Australia ourselves. It's had floods and more floods. And, you know, that comes off the back of bushfires. So, I mean, Australians are not immune from this. We know that this is a global problem and it's going to require a global solution. We really need uh, Australians to take the lead on this as well, don't we? Because, uh, as I said to you, I didn't realise how dire this was until until I, I spotted this media release come across my desk yesterday. And it's something that we need to start talking about. And we need to start talking about it now and doing something and putting pressure on everybody to make a difference. Do you think that uh, that, that pressure is happening at uh, at the um, at the, the COP27? Is it happening over there or is it well, just flying it, under it, the weight radar? No, look, and look, I'm, I'm so glad that we're talking about this. I have been spending the last three months trying to get stories in the media about this, talking to people constantly and just kind of getting a bit of a blank stare and are like, oh, our people are pretty tired, COVID's knocked people around, no one wants to really hear this bad news. And I keep saying, I'm really sorry that it's bad news, but it's nevertheless news we have to hear mm. because it's still something we can do something about. This is the thing that I'd be saying to people is if you're feeling despair, do something. If you have the means to give money, give money. If you don't have the means to give money, write to your local politician and ask them to you know, step up into that global stage. We absolutely can and must do something about this. By the time December comes, it will be too late and we will be looking at this and saying, oh, I wish that we'd known earlier and been able to do something about it. Now, the G20, it uh, is being held in Bali, uh, November 15 yeah. to 16. That's the other big one that we really need to start uh, shouting and screaming because it is going to be those G20 countries that really have the, uh, the capacity to help over there. Well, that's right. They're the world's major economies. They have the means to be able to help less developed countries overcome some of the challenges through international policies. So, again, we're sort of saying we need at least sort of three things there. That $150 million emergency relief package for the worst affected hunger spots, including Somalia, which we've been talking about for months and months, but we really need to get that in. And then the next thing we're talking about is we really need some way of really looking at, like, we're going to have to think about global food security in a different way. If we are going to have, you know, four or five 
dry seasons in the Horn of Africa and most farming is done by individuals who are growing things to eat for themselves and that's not going to be possible. We need a global food security system that allows for Australia and our region and then the world to be more resilient in terms of food. COVID taught us this, that we can't rely just on uh, global exports and imports. We need a certain level of resilience within our own context and then we need to be hooked up to our region to be able to help each other out when things get tough. We need a plan for food for the world that rethinks how we do this because um, we're, we're dealing with unprecedented circumstances. We haven't really thought about that. And then we've been really thinking about... So one of the things you're going to hear about at COP20 is loss and damage. That's about what can you... Um, pay to countries when you cannot mitigate and you can't adapt to climate change, when the loss and the damage is such that there's, there's nothing you can do about it to fix it, how are you going to um, compensate those countries for what they're losing, what they've lost already? It might be biodiversity. It could be loss of life. It could be, in the case of countries in the Pacific, the loss of their entire countries underwater. We need to think about how are we going to even begin to... Um, have a global system that rebuilds, you know, is able to compensate and repair some of the damage that's been caused by the efforts of the world over the last few hundred years. Are you hearing positive news on the 150 million or uh, it's just silence at the moment? Look, what we're hearing is, I mean, it's a tough budget circumstance mm. and the government is doing everything it can. I think it is very taking this very, very seriously. We know that they have the means to do more. We've given military aid to the Ukraine that's well above the $150 million that we're asking for for famine relief. So we know that when we need to unlock money, we have the means to do so. What we'd be saying is the Australian government saying to us, if this is an issue to the Australian people, we'll act. So that's why we're saying to the Australian people, please act, please help bring this issue into the public domain, put pressure on your local politicians to do more. Um, show, show our politicians that actually Australians do care about what's happening in the world. We're not just sitting in our little bubbles and looking after ourselves. That is not the Australian people that I know and work with every day. No, absolutely not. Tell me about uh, the group uh, Help Fight Famine. I know it's a broad coalition of uh, Australia's leading aid and development organisations. Tell me how you came, uh, you all came together. Well, we came together because we couldn't get any traction by ourselves mm. and we were all seeing the data emerge and this crisis emerging and we just thought we have to do something, um, un you know, we have to find a different way to bring this issue to the attention of the Australian people and the Australian government. And so we formed a coalition and we have worked together. We share our data, we're sharing our stories, the knowledge, we work in coalition uh, we use all the talent that we have within our group um, to just try and work on this one issue together because we've identified it as the most pressing issue that's affecting all of us right now. It does seem unfair, doesn't it? You know, Somalia is uh, is really bearing the brunt of, uh, of the climate crisis, but uh, the share that they've contributed to the globe's greenhouse gas emissions is uh, is minuscule. Well, I think the facts that I've got say that Africa's contribution to global greenhouse gas emissions is less than 4%, but the continent suffers and continues to suffer due to the actions of other parts of the world. So I think that's hard. You know, when we kind of say, why is this happening again there? It's because these countries were not the people who have, um, you know, contributed through industrialisation to greenhouse gas emissions, and yet they are bearing the brunt mm. of these extreme weather events and having to deal with that um, in really difficult circumstances. Mm. 
they're not the ones on the quarter acre blocks with three cars, one SUV, and and uh, you know the the ski ski boat that we go out on the weekend. They don't have any of that, and yet uh, they're bearing the brunt of our uh, our greed. I think that the point I would make is that then when we do have the means, and we have the means as a country or as individuals, it's um, incumbent on us to do what we can when we see that this is happening and respond in the way that we're able to with money, with time, with political pressure. And look, it's time for us to uh, to not avert our eyes. This is something that really seriously needs to be done. There are uh, various emails to your local MP that uh, you can find online. Um, I'll put a couple up on the uh, on the Newcastle Live website for uh, for the listen back. But there are ways that you can help here locally. I know that uh, not normally do we do we attach ourselves to uh, such a, an international story, but uh, eventually this is going to impact on every single one of us. And uh, those numbers are just horrifying and uh, and scary Susan and something needs to be said about it it really needs to be shouted from the rooftops well I really appreciate you giving me some air today to um, raise this issue as I said to you before what I have top in my mind is that children cannot bear long periods of time without food and that we know that children under five are so vulnerable I do not know an Australian person who faced with that knowledge would not do something if they could do something absolutely look thank you so much for bringing it to our attention and uh, and best of luck with it we have a uh, a very small window to make a difference and uh, I really hope that uh, that it both uh, both cop and uh, and at the G20 that something is done and, and attention is really put onto this. We've got uh, some serious, serious issues coming. Food security is uh, is one of our largest. So thank you so much mm-hmm. for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Susan Legenda from uh, Plan International Australia. She's the CEO of that organisation. And uh, if you do go to any of the websites, if you uh, if you look up Help Fight Famine, you'll find uh, all of the links there to be able to email your local MP. It starts with us. If we want to stop this happening, it starts with us. So the 40-hour famines, all of those things we've done in the past, we need to do all of that and more again because this is just... Uh, This is a crisis sitting on our doorsteps and something needs to be done very, very quickly. This is a song uh, Birds of Tokyo recorded for uh, the 40-hour famine 18 months ago. It is called Bring Hunger Down. You're with Tracy Mack on Newcastle Live. With decades of media experience, Tracy Mack brings you a smart, fast-paced morning of news and entertainment with special guests and major newsmakers for your morning fix. Join Tracy Mack for Newcastle in the Morning, weekdays from 9, only on Newcastle Live.